Upon receiving a cancer diagnosis, the patient typically faces many challenges, including feeling confused, overwhelmed, and alone. All of them are emotionally draining. The gaps between the guidance, emotional support, and education that is needed and what one actually receives can be huge. This podcast fills those gaps. My name is Talia Dendi, and this is Navigating Cancer Together. to Navigating Cancer Together. My name is Talia Dindi, and today our very special guest is Riona Berry. I am so excited for you guys to hear Riona's story and how she used her experience with cancer to help create a wonderful organization. Riona is a founding member and current president of the African-American Breast Cancer Alliance, Inc., also known as AABCA or ABCA. It was established in 1990. She is a survivor of breast cancer first in 1990 and again in 2019. Riona is committed to the mission of ABCA, disseminating information about breast cancer and supporting survivors in the African-American community to help reduce the negative effects breast cancer has on African-American, Black, women, men, families, and communities. Riona enjoys providing survivors connections and knowledge so they can come together to share their experiences, inspirational stories, and knowledge, empowering themselves and others in their cancer journey. Riona, it is so nice to have you here. It's such an honor. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Talia. It's wonderful to be here with you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. So tell us, uh, Riona, a little bit about your story. Well, I would say uh, for almost 40 years ago, <laughs> um, I was uh, just basically sitting on the sofa and uh, kind of brushed against my breast. And I thought, hmm, this is different, but I didn't pay any attention to it. Uh, then months later, because that was in June, uh, months later in November, uh, the pain on my right side started hurting more and more. And even when I walked, my arm would brush against my breasts and uh, there would be pain there. So I looked up information uh, about breast pain and in reading the information, I could tell, hmm, this could be a possibility. And I said, with my luck, it'll be breast cancer. So 
I waited a couple months and eventually made an appointment uh, with my doctor and they uh, took me to a surgeon and I had a excisional biopsy where they took out uh, the lump. And at the time, um, the doctor who was examining me, uh, he put a needle in the lump and trying to draw out fluid and so no fluid came out and he said, hmm. And I knew that wasn't a good hmm. <laughs> and so uh, from there, um, they acted swiftly. They set me up with uh, the surgeon and an oncologist and I had uh, several uh, meetings with them and uh, they told me what the plan was going to be. So I was going to have a lumpectomy and um, after that, um, I had chemotherapy and my doctor actually entered me into a clinical trial uh, for a quality of life, depending on the type of protocol that I was going to be placed on. So I was lucky I was able to um, qualify for the protocol for a six week chemotherapy plan. However, it was every week and it was seven different drugs. Wow. And so um, for six weeks, I lost my hair really quick. And in that time, uh, I was diagnosed in January. My sister was getting married in March. And so when I started chemo in March, uh, my hair started falling out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but not so much that, you know, I, I was having patches or anything, but I knew that eventually uh, it was going to totally fall out. And it did a few weeks later and I had um, washed my hair and all of a sudden uh, with curly hair, you know, it shrinks up. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> And so I had this little fryer tuck uh, <laughs> ring of hair around my head. And I thought, okay, you know, and the little strands that were holding it on started pulling and pulling and it hurt. So I said, okay, this is it, can't do this. So I just snipped off the little ring of hair and there I was bald as can be. And I said, oh, that's not so bad, you know. And I think that's one of the issues women have is uh, losing their hair during chemotherapy. Yes. And so if it happens, it happens, we just have to deal with it. So I was pretty cool about uh, dealing with the fact that my hair was gone and of course um, wearing wigs, which I had never done before. And, and mm -hmm. every woman who knows uh, with chemotherapy, you get hot. And so wearing a wig in the summertime is just horrible. You know, it's, it's bad enough when we go through hot flashes that we're dripping, you know, but uh, even in the wintertime, we're just dripping with sweat, you know, so, so it was a, a bit of an adjustment. That's amazing that you were able to, with losing, losing your hair and everything, you just accepted it and said, well, this is just what it's about. How do you right. think you were able to come to that um, mind, type of mindset so quickly and just say, hey, this is what it is? Well, 
upon the diagnosis and the uh, the surgery, uh, I noticed that I started feeling uh, I'm not going to be here much longer. Uh, wow. I started thinking about that. I thought I'm getting irritated with say my family members and then I realized okay you might not be here to get irritated with them anymore so um, I had to kind of check myself uh, and to realize they were worried about me too you know I mean when they were looking at me I could just see the sadness in their eyes and uh, it's almost where I kind of had to be a little bit of a cheerleader for them. Yes. Because, um, I mean, that's love, basically. You know, it's like uh, people who care about you and love you will always feel sad. And we need to be able to let them know, I'll be okay. So they can be okay. And that way they can help us a little better. And uh, it takes the fear out of their fear, you know, that's because they're fearing the loss of a family member. Uh, they're fearing, what am I supposed to do? Because they don't know how to help us. Um, but just being there is what it's all about. You know, uh, there are so many people that don't have anyone. So it does help to have a support team, family, friends, strangers even, uh, I found that uh, uh, we, we kind of have that look when we see a bald woman or she's wearing a scarf right off the bat, it's like, mm-hmm, we know she's a survivor. She's a cancer survivor. And, and it makes it a little easier to be able to walk up to a stranger and say, how are you doing? Uh, how's your journey? Uh, without being intrusive, hopefully, you know, but uh, yeah, we connect, you know, that eye to eye thing sometimes. <laughs> you're right. But, yeah. You, you can use, like you said, you see someone and you're mm -hmm. thinking, wow, how can I help that person? I understand mm -hmm. what they're going through right, and it just right. makes you want to just reach out and hug them. So I know right, exactly right. what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you had a great um, support network. What mm -hmm. advice do you have for people that maybe don't have that kind of support? Well, I, I know it's hard, uh, especially if a person's really shy. Uh, and then we have people who might be uh, very leery of uh, talking to people. Um, it's hard, but they need to find a way to reach out. Um, it, it's like calling 311 or 211, you know, where can I find some help? And it starts with beginning to say I'm worthy of support. I'm worthy of having someone listen to me, uh, that I'm worthy of admitting that I need help because I mean, Black women suffer from the strong black woman syndrome. Yes. And uh, we tend to think that, oh, I can handle this, you know. And after your first couple chemotherapies, oh no. <laughs> uh, that, that is a truth giver right there. 
you know, it, it's a time of um, dealing with something we've never had to deal before, with before. Um, the sickness, uh, say sometimes the vomiting, the queasiness, the, uh, in some cases, some women have rashes to, uh, to the chemotherapy. Whatever treatment they're going through that their body uh, is kind of rejecting, uh, not everyone understands this. I mean, when he says, oh, no, I have my mother and my family, they'll help me. But if they've never been through cancer and never been through the treatments, they don't understand. They have a tendency to look at us because we want to make sure we look good a lot of times. They said, oh, you don't look sick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that's the question is, uh, well, what is the cancer supposed to look like, you know? Uh, so we know, I mean, because when I first walked into my doctor's office, I saw a woman that was bald and jaundiced and skinny and it scared me. And I thought, oh my God, I don't want to look like that. Yes. But we can't control that, you know, a lot of times. Great point. You, you don't know. And they put this image out there of what cancer patients and people receiving treatment are supposed to look like. And mm -hmm. that's not true for everybody. Right. So right. I really wish that they would. That's another thing that I call a stigma that I, I wish they would just stop putting out there. Because mm -hmm. for the people who are really sick, and they mm -hmm. don't look sick, right? People tend to question, <laughs> you know, what's going on with them? Are they just saying that for mm -hmm. attention or right. what are, right. what, what's going on with them? And mm -hmm. that's not something someone should have to explain mm -hmm. and right. answer. So right. the other thing that I love that you mentioned was that you equated asking for help and getting support to being worthy. Mm -hmm. And I love that because so many people view it as a weakness right. if you need help or you're asking for help. So mm -hmm. audience, asking for help is recognizing your worth. You're worthy. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the fact that developing that attitude is also very healing uh, because when we take account of ourselves and, and know that uh, this is a life or death challenge for a lot of people that, okay, what side of this do you want to be on? You don't want to give up, you don't want to give out and you don't want to give in. So it's like charge ahead, take charge of your life and take charge of your health. That's right and show up for yourself. Do Absolutely. the best that you can but try not to fold and just give up. Yes. I love that. And so, Riona, what was the most difficult part of your journey? Well, I think the first part was the acknowledgement of being uh, diagnosed with cancer. Um, and I said to myself, you know, because everybody says, well, why did this happen to you? And I can't answer that question, but it's like a lot of people ask the question, why me? I mm -hmm. ask the question, why not me? I am as good as anyone else to get cancer. That's uh, right. And that's, that's the whole 
uh, issue about cancer. It does not discriminate. Uh, it doesn't care. And, and I think uh, when we met a woman that said her husband was a doctor and this, you know, we asked, well, um, have you had your mammogram yet? Oh no, my husband will tell me if I have breast cancer. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So that was something that we've never had to deal with before. Uh, but there are a lot of people that uh, have those kind of attitudes. And it's kind of steeped in fear and denial. So uh, we understand that. Mm -hmm. That's that's very true. Denial is very tough for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And um, like you said, it was tough for you to just acknowledge and in a sense, accept that this diagnosis that you've been given. So how did you overcome that? Well, uh, I actually listened to a lot of uh, Gary Hines and... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, the group and it was like his song or the song Optimistic I played that every morning as I was crying and getting ready for work so I every day I mean song. yeah I love that song and it's kind of like uh, 30 days of crying and singing and and uh, knowing that I had to fortify myself um, because I was a single person and, um, it was, I didn't have anyone to roll over to and say, can you help me out? But, um, it was something I knew I had to be, I had to be tough. Uh, I went to work every day, uh, and I was, uh, on a chemotherapy, one of the chemotherapy drugs I was on, um, the nurse would come to my job and administer it because it was on like a little, um, I call it the gizmo, um, wow. infusion, a little infusion uh, tank and okay. that I wore, wore on my belt and she would come and uh, administer it. And um, I mean, I had a lot of support at, at work. My, my boss told me, she said, uh, Rihanna, you don't have to come to work every day. You have tons of sick leave, you know, uh, but having that routine of work was another reason for me to get up and go. Wonderful. And staying positive and staying in a sense of what my normal life was at that time. And uh, so it's, it's not where I was trying to just be the super strong woman, but uh, I felt fine. Uh, the only time I didn't feel fine is when I would eat things I shouldn't eat. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then uh, they would backlash me and, and the nurse kept saying, I told you not to eat popcorn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> but it's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> but um, when it got down to my last, say, week or two of chemotherapy treatment, um, I, I couldn't make it. And so um, I was sick at work and my uh, worker friend, she was there and we were in the bathroom and she says, she heard me crying, I guess. Oh. 
And she said, Riona, do you want to go home? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. she took me home. And so from there, you know, my supervisor said, yeah, take your time. Everything will be fine here. Take your time. That's so. wonderful that you had that support at work mm -hmm. um, because a lot of people don't have that. Actually, some people experience the opposite where they feel like they're getting negative um, support or right. lack of support, I should say, lack from their employer, and mm -hmm. they feel like they're being pushed out. So that's really good that you were able to have that support at work, because I'm sure that took some of the stress away of not having to worry about your job. Yes. And, and of course, was it 30, 40 years ago, uh, jobs were cross-trained. So, um, People knew how to do my job, you know, so that would that helped a lot. So when I came back, I didn't have to play catch up, you know, and try to fi figure out what what had been done. So, yeah, it helps. And having that support from family, friends and your employer is wonderful. Uh, but it's it is rare sometimes. It That's so true. That's so true. So let's switch directions and talk about the African-American Breast Cancer Alliance. As I, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, you are a founding member. So what was your thought process behind, you know, being a founding member of AVCA? Well, at the time, uh, my doctor, uh, my surgeon uh, told me that um, I needed to uh, exercise my arm more so that the scar tissue wouldn't form and reduce uh, my um, motion, you know, amount of motion in my arm. And he says, well, you know, maybe you should go to a support group. And so uh, the only support group that was available at the time was the YWCA uh, Breast Cancer Su Surgery Support Group. However, they met at 10 o'clock on Tuesday, mostly were women of 50 and up, age 50 and up, and I was 39 and I was working. So um, that just didn't work for me. So uh, I looked at the other YWCA in Minneapolis and they had a group that met in the evening. So, uh, which was great. So. I went there and of course there were women of all uh, ages and stages in their breast cancer journey. And there I met uh, several black women, uh, Linda Finney and uh, Elaine and uh, uh, Mimi. And it was, it was just nice to see black faces because we all were sitting there thinking, am I the only black woman in Minnesota with breast cancer? <laughs> I can relate. It's tough yeah. finding those support groups. So yes, I understand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So from there, we started talking and it's like, why don't black women know about breast cancer, talk about breast cancer, uh, come together in a support group. And that started us on the journey to forming the African American Breast Cancer Alliance. Wonderful. So you saw a need and you said, hey, I'm going to fill that need. 
I love absolutely. that. Absolutely. Because a lot of it we found, you know, we did a survey and we found that women thought, black women thought it was a white woman's disease. Oh. Uh, they thought it was for older white women. Uh, they didn't know anyone with breast cancer in their community or in their family. So in, in this survey, we later uh, asked women for more information to come and find out uh, what they did and didn't know about breast cancer. And they shared that, well, I think maybe my grand Lolly had breast cancer uh, because she was always in bed and she was wrapped up. And my parents told me, don't go in there, don't bother. Uh, and uh, it was something that, you know, they called it the big C. Yes. And we call it the big secret. Mm -hmm. And so eventually uh, these conversations helped women learn that uh, family history is important. Uh, the fact that some of the women were adopted or lost their parents. So they didn't know their family history. And so that's still a concern uh, now, but we have now over these last 30 years, they have found out so much more about breast cancer in black women. And it has helped to share this information simply because now they're finding that black women are practically equal to white women in the incident rate of breast cancer. That's right. Before. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is an equal opportunity disease and that's it. And to think that, oh, I'll never get it because it's not in my family. I said, well, you don't know your family from 500 years ago, a thousand years ago, even a half a million years ago, maybe, you know, um, cancer has a history and um, that's something that we can't just look at it and say, oh, well, that'll never hit me. It's almost like COVID. Oh, I'll never get it. Mm -hmm. A so disease true. is a disease. Yeah. So. And you touched on something. A lot of times it's something that people just don't want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Or if they're from an older generation, they were told not to talk about it. That's not something that we talk about. And I've, I've heard this from, you know, women and other people who are older than I am. And they say, that was never talked about. Mm -hmm. I, and you said it yourself. I think my grandmother had cancer, but they never told us that's what mm -hmm. it was. Mm -hmm. So what changes have you seen take place in the way that cancer and breast cancer itself are talked about within the African-American community and then amongst women themselves? Well, one thing we did learn uh, for reasons people didn't talk about it uh, was the economics of it. And uh, it came down to, for some people, the shame of it. Um, it's, it's really surprising when you think that uh, people can be embarrassed about having a disease that was not their fault. Uh, so to be able to share 
a more enlightened perspective about cancer and disease and what cancer really is. Uh, it's something that um, this story about cancer continues on. So within the next 50 years, we'll still be having this kind of conversation about cancer and what is cancer and how, how people get cancer. And it'll still be this conversation of education simply because what people don't understand or fear, uh, they tend to just rationalize it in their own way to be able to say, oh, uh, that, that'll never happen to me. You know, and, and it's sad because um, if, if cancer was, well, some cancers are very on the surface. Mm -hmm. um, things that are not on the surface are the things that people tend to deny. And so finding those symptoms, uh, the lump, the, the skin changes, the uh, wrinkling and puckering, uh, the oozing of pus from the nipple, things like that. Um, that's strange, you know, and, and I will say I was guilty of ignoring the symptom I had simply because I didn't see it listed as a symptom. It was like a discoloration underneath my armpit. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I ignored that simply. Uh, it became, hmm, maybe it's the the lotion, maybe it's the deodorant, maybe it's soap, but it didn't go away even after I put creams and lotions on it. So um, those conversations have to continue with knowledge about cancer. And that's why we continue to print our materials and do our health fairs uh, simply because uh, when they ask the question, are you aware of breast cancer? Well, yeah, everybody's aware of it, you know, because it's splattered all over television and everywhere. But that doesn't mean that they are self-aware and that they are willing to check a problem out. That's true. And, you know, unfortunately, shame and blame are two things that many people experience when they mm -hmm. um, receive a cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And it's not anyone's fault. Maybe could there have been things that, you know, maybe they could they have eaten better or anything like that? Most of us can eat probably eat better than what we are. <laughs> but that's yeah. not a reason for shame or blame when uh, right. you receive a diagnosis. So mm -hmm. I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. And the other thing is too, we, we have a tendency maybe in the black community, maybe other communities to lay our spiritual um, foundation in the way of seeking treatment. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, when we said, well, uh, someone said, well, if I get cancer, the Lord will take it away. Yes. Um, and unfortunately, um, our counter <laughs> argument to that, well, the Lord has made some exceptional people, doctors and nurses and researchers, and they're here to help you. Uh, so we don't want people to think that, uh, that they can just kind of sit back and let God handle everything because we know that he gave us a brain to, yes. to, to think and 
uh, ask the questions, you know, if something doesn't look right, you know, that's, that's the whole issue about the symptom. Uh, the fact doctors say before you even find a symptom, get a checkup, mm -hmm. learn how to do a breast exam, ask for a mammogram if you do have a family history of breast cancer or other cancers. We do that with diabetes. We do that with heart disease. Uh, we should do that with cancer too. That's so true. Knowing your body and prevention are, are key. And mm -hmm. the best way to do that is be in tune with yourself and get the screenings that you're supposed to get every year or whenever mm -hmm. it's, you know, you're supposed to get them. So that's right. very important. Mm -hmm. And so, Riona, what new out, outreach plans is APCA working on? Well, we're trying to, uh, as I said, get reestablished in the community again. And uh, so we're doing two things. Uh, we want to uh, hire an outreach person to actually go into the community and reconnect with the doctors and clinics and healthcare providers because we know there are other black women being diagnosed with breast cancer. They just don't know about us. So that's our one uh, challenge that we're trying to deal with now. Uh, second challenge is we're developing a fund called A Little Help, A Little Hope. And it's for women that are in active breast cancer treatment. So if they're having trouble uh, getting treatments or paying their bills, uh, we're there to give them a little help and a little hope. So, um, we are looking to roll it out in October and that will probably be uh, part of our uh, part of our other part of breast cancer awareness because the other side of breast cancer is the financial side and Absolutely. how it affects people getting their treatment and now with COVID that has also created double double whammy for some people because I know I hadn't seen my general doctor for a year and a half wow. and I just talked to her over the phone with a telephone appointment so I still haven't seen her but it's okay at least we connected but the fact that some people will not go to the doctor at all because of COVID and uh, so we're we're trying to be a part of, of the community that is trying to help uh, cut that barrier down, you know, for some. And we're fortunate to be able to create this fund and create a position to help do that work uh, simply because we've had financing, well, gifts, I would say, is gifts from Larry Fitzgerald Jr. and the community uh, across the country. Uh, so we, we're doing okay that way. And we want to be able to help other women because we're, we're kind of in some dire straits right now. That's, that's so wonderful that you're launching this fund. I know that it's, it's very much needed. And we, most people that have been through their cancer journey and been impacted by cancer, the financial piece is huge. It's, it's not cheap to get the treatments that you need. And mm -hmm. a lot of times, even after the treatments, 
people are left with uh, side effects or latent effects from the right. treatment. And of right. course, that costs money to take care of those things as well. So it's an ongoing cost. It is. It is. And unfortunately, COVID has jumped in the mix and people are losing their jobs, uh, losing their hours. In some cases, they might even lose their health insurance. So we're, we're looking to help uh, them pay a bill uh, or maybe uh, give them transportation, a gas card maybe, or food card. So something that will help them get over the hump a little bit there. And um, because it, it's a hard way to go. And if people have children, that makes it even harder for them. So uh, we make sure that we try to give out other resources in the community that could help uh, that are larger than we are and that might have more resources too. Wonderful. And every everything helps. It's mm -hmm. important to have those resources out there for people when they're going right. through this tough time in their life. And as you mentioned, COVID has added an extra layer to, to things. So right. any help that people can get is, is amazing. It's helpful. Yeah. Don't feel mm -hmm. like anything is too little. Support mm -hmm. is support. <laughs> support is support. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so is APCA a local group or is it national? We are a local group here in Minnesota, basically the Twin Cities, uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul. However, with Zoom, we've expanded, you know, so we've been able to uh, have our support group meetings shared with women in other cities and states through Zoom. And so that's something that we thought, wow, you know, uh, it's, we're not real big. I mean, we really, uh, we've gained maybe three to five new ladies from out of state. But I know in some cases, people are always looking for other resources around the country. And uh, for us, that, that helps because um, our main thing is to let them know they're not alone. And because we're um, kind of like come when you want to type mm -hmm. of program, uh, there's no requirement that they show up or that uh, they pay a fee, you know, it's just come and we'll be here all together, you know, no matter how many. I mean, if we want to, if they want to do one-on-one, -on -one, we can do that. And uh, so we just want to make it easy and simple. And the one thing I've noticed that uh, since APCA started 30 years ago, uh, a lot of communities, Black communities around the country have created support groups. And I mean, That's and it's great. wonderful. It's wonderful. I mean, 30 years ago, you might have been able to uh, actually count Black support groups on one hand, two hands, you know, but now uh, they're from coast to coast, north to south, east to west, you know, and it's wonderful. It because is. everybody, yeah, everyone has uh, a, a perspective about how to reach out and touch people too, you know, and uh, we do it all together. I think that's the main thing. Uh, there's no requirement. The only requirement is to have been affected by cancer. Absolutely. And I can tell you, APCA is a great resource. They're 
materials are top notch, very informative, but another important factor is they know how to have fun. I know <laughs> I've attended some of their events. And so, you know, if you're looking for that support, don't be afraid to reach out. And yeah. I will have Riona share more information about how you can get in touch with them before we end. But Riona, I asked all my guests these two questions before we end. Right. The first one is, what is something that you have learned in life that you would like to share with the listeners? Hmm. Um, well, I think it is something that um, I learned in a class a long time ago. They said, feel the fear and do it anyway. And some of that fear, I think, is uh, dealing with the unknown. Uh, not knowing what our life will be about through the, the, this chapter, cancer chapter. Uh, and I know a lot of times uh, because I was such a shy person before, mm -hmm. uh, I, I actually tell people cancer gave me a life. Uh, I was able to kind of step up to, to the microphone in a sense, you know, that, okay, uh, where before my knees were shaking, I like, oh, okay. But then all of a sudden, oh, you really, you know how to talk about these things. I was like, oh, <laughs> and I, I said, really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, sometimes, I mean, it comes down to you do what you have to do. That's so true. And I'm laughing with you, not at you. Because I, the same thing happened for me. I'm mm -hmm. still shy, mm -hmm. um, but I speak out and I'm getting out more than I ever would have mm -hmm. had cancer not shown up in my life. Um, mm -hmm. Not to say that, oh, you know, I'm happy I had cancer. No, I'm not. Mm -hmm. But it, it propelled me forward and mm -hmm. it started getting me out of my shell. So mm -hmm. I can relate to that. <laughs> And, and you're my, good at it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and so my final question for you is what's next? Well, I don't know. I mean, I uh, actually used to tell myself, oh, I put my life on hold. And I did because I did not like, um, you know, creating a five-year plan uh, because I couldn't see a five years ahead of me. So I would create uh, a monthly plan. And so now that uh, here I am 30 years later, um, I would say it's, as I've always said, it's one day at a time. Uh, I think about uh, some of the things I might want to do, but travel is not one of my big ones, you know, but if things were well and good and safe, uh, I think I would like to travel. A friend of mine, she goes to Paris and China and I was like, wow, she, she's quite an adventurous person. And uh, I said, I wish some of that could kind of, I could have absorbed some of that. And if things were good and well and safe, uh, I think I would probably do traveling. I think you would love it when, when you're ready. Traveling mm -hmm. just 
opens up your eyes to so many different things and Mm -hmm. you're able to just learn so much getting out there and just seeing how different people do things in a different way. Mm-hmm. And one thing I found about traveling is, especially if you're by yourself, people mm-hmm. literally come up to you and just start talking. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and that's what I found so interesting, but uh-huh. I think you would love it. I think oh, if you start okay. venturing out, you'll love it. Uh-huh. Oh, good, good. Mm-hmm. Well, that was one of the things I was afraid of you know, 40 years ago when I was in my 20s. Mm. Uh, but uh, now, I mean, with uh, going to a different breast cancer conferences and things, you know, across the country, it's like, wow, I like this, you know. But uh, now, not so much. Yes, it's tricky <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tricky. You got to be careful yeah. now. And there's so mm-hmm. many requirements. So yeah. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, but that's something that's kind of like um, just being able to feel peaceful uh, is, and I wish, you know, we all could get to that point where we feel peaceful. Yeah, so it's so important. Mm-hmm. And having peace is a part of having a good quality of life. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Riona, I have enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your message and your story. And also, thank you for taking your experience and using it to create a wonderful organization like APCA. So thank you so much. Thank you, Talia. You're welcome. (laughs) And if people want to learn more about you or if they have questions about APCA or your experience with breast cancer, where can they find you? Okay, Uh, our internet website is www.aabcainc.org. And uh, our telephone number is 612-462-6813. Wonderful, wonderful. And I will share that information in the listen notes as well so that people will have that. And then again, thank you so much for being here with us today, Riona. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Talia. And thank you for being on the other side. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And I want to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you for joining us today. That's it for this Wednesday. Until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. I hope this episode filled you with hope, inspiration, and information. If you enjoyed the content and found it helpful, please leave a review, rating, and subscribe to the show. It will help others find us so we can share this very important information. Thank you so much for tuning in. I truly appreciate your support and join us for the next episode. Until then, let's keep navigating cancer together.